Section four of Social Life in England, seventeen fifty to eighteen fifty, by F. J. Folks Jackson. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Pamela Nagami. Lecture two, George Crabbe, part one. I have chosen the subject of George Crabbe, the Suffolk poet, partly out of attachment to the county of my birth, but also because I have certain faint, though undoubted, family links in connection with him. In addition to this, his character as a man as well as a poet has a certain attraction for me, and even though there has been a revival of interest in him, comparatively few have studied him or are acquainted with the facts of his life. Crabbe, however, was singularly fortunate in having a son, possessed of many valuable qualities as a biographer, for not only was he affectionate and extraordinarily proud of his father, but at the same time he was not blind to his defects as a man or as a writer. And it must be remembered that Crabbe at his death occupied a place in public estimation together with Scott and Byron that the latter had described him as nature's sternest painter and the best and had written of him crab the first of living poets a son therefore who under such circumstances could refrain from indiscriminating eulogy of a beloved father just after his death must be a man to be trusted george crab was born in seventeen fifty four at aldborough a somewhat squalid little fishing town on the coast of suffolk rejoicing however in the dignity of a corporation and returning two members to parliament his father was salt-master and general factotum of the borough a man to all appearances of rough manners not improved by unfortunate circumstances but sufficiently intelligent to recognize that in george he had a son who would repay a good education not that with his narrow means he could do much but he certainly did his best and more than could be expected george was intended for the medical profession and it may be of interest to hear how a boy was educated to be a doctor in the eighteenth century young crabbe was sent to school at bungay where he remained till his eleventh or twelfth year he was next sent to a mr richard haddon at stowmarket where he showed considerable aptitude for mathematics in which his father was also proficient his master to quote the biography though neither a porson nor a par laid the foundation of a fair classical education also but he soon had to return home and had to work at the warehouse of slowden quay piling up butter and cheese duties which the poor boy he was but thirteen and of a dreamy meditative temperament bitterly resented but his father had not forgotten that george was to be a doctor and seeing an advertisement apprentice wanted he sent him to Wickhambook, near Barry St. Edmunds, where he was treated as a mere drudge, slept with the ploughboy, worked on the farm, and learned his profession apparently by delivering medicine bottles to the neighbouring villages. In 1771 he removed to Woodbridge, an apprentice to a Mr. Page, where he pursued his studies under more favourable circumstances. Here it was he met his future bride, Miss Elmy, at the neighbouring village of Parham, won a prize poem in the ladies magazine owned by mr webble on the subject of hope and later he published at ipswich a poem entitled inebriety in the preface of which he apologizes 
for those parts wherein i have taken such great liberties with mr pope and it was certainly to pope that crabbe owed his inspiration now to imitate pope's versification is easy and to copy his mannerisms not impossible but to gain a double portion of his spirit to emulate his epigrammatic terseness above all to acquire anything like his knowledge of life and human nature can only be done by a man who is even in a measure akin to him in genius whether crabbe was it must be our endeavour to decide inebriety did not catch on in suffolk a land which bears the epithet silly in two senses i prefer the one which alludes to its numerous churches selig or pious at any rate no young author could expect an appreciative audience of clerics when he wrote thus low proud flaminius at the splendid board the easy chaplain of an atheist lord quaffs the bright juice with all the gust of sense and clouds his brain in torpid elegance crabbe completed his apprenticeship in seventeen seventy five and once more returned to aldborough his family circumstances were extremely distressed his father had changed for the worse and his mother's health had broken down again he was compelled to act as a warehouseman at slodden quay he managed to get to london for a short time nominally to walk the hospitals but having no funds he had as he expressed it to pick up a little surgical knowledge as cheap as he could after ten months privation crabbe returned to aldborough to become the assistant of a surgeon apothecary named maskell who had opened a shop in the borough and on his retirement crabbe though imperfectly grounded in the commonest details of his profession set up for himself his medical career was a complete failure he had not the requisite knowledge and lacked means to acquire it nor was he able to adapt himself to the rough surroundings amid which he lived aldborough was peopled to quote his own words by a wild amphibious race with sullen woe expressed on every face who far from civil acts and social fly and scowl at strangers with suspicious eye sneered at as a poor and useless scholar by the relatives of miss elmy to whom he was now engaged regarded as a failure by his rough but not ungenerous father crabbe's life was far from happy the only relaxation he found was in the study of botany and the only encouragement in the society of the officers of the warwickshire militia who were for a time quartered in the town their colonel general conway showed the young surgeon attention and gave him some valuable latin books on botany at last wearied and disgusted with his life crabbe gave up attempting to be a doctor and aided by a loan of five pounds from mr dudley north brother to the candidate for the borough he made his way to london in seventeen eighty as a literary adventurer the early struggles of a man who has won literary fame are only of importance in so far as they affect his subsequent work crabbe's intellect was essentially scientific rather than imaginative his poetry is like dutch art remarkable for the finish of details and for exactness of observation it is the same when he depicts what he saw as when he describes emotions and feelings he had to understand before he could write 
His hobby, as we have seen, was botany. He first showed talent as a mathematician, nor, because he failed in his medical work, need we suppose that his want of success was due in any way to intellectual deficiencies. Place Crabbe in a different situation. Suppose him to have walked the hospitals of London or Edinburgh, and to have made his way as a physician. He might well have taken an honoured place among the scientific men of his age. But look at the facts. His training was hardly better than that of an assistant in a chemist's store in the most remote village nowadays. This, for example, was the hospital which Crabbe had walked. Such is that room which one rude beam divides, and naked rafters form the sloping sides. Here, on a matted flock with dust o'erspread, the drooping wretch reclines his languid head. But soon a loud and hasty summons calls, shakes the thin roof and echoes round the walls, anon a figure enters, quaintly neat, all pride and business, bustle and conceit. A potent quack, long versed in human ills, who first insults the victim whom he kills, whose murderous hand a drowsy bench protect, and whose most tender mercy is neglect. We see the influence of Pope in the versification, but of personal experience in the subject. True, Crabbe detested his profession, and thus apostrophizes medical books as, Ye frigid tribe on whom I wasted long the tedious hours and ne'er indulged in song. Ye first seducers of my easy heart, who promised knowledge ye could not impart. But for all this, when in later life as a clergyman, he used to prescribe for his poorer parishioners, he seems to have shown a power of diagnosis which made it evident that though he failed as a surgeon apothecary, he might, had he had the requisite education, have succeeded as a consulting physician. Because he took holy orders and won his fame as a poet while a clergyman, Crabbe's experiences, on which he founded his rhymed tales, for such as poems really are, are considered to have been mainly clerical. But to understand him aright, we must remember that he was more or less engaged in the practice of medicine from the age of fourteen to that of twenty-five. It would be easy to quote many lines, wherein the doctor and not the parson is revealed, and he never lost the professional dislike of quacks or contempt of valetudinarians. End of section 4